it's great. Church is meant to be something that's interactive, right? I mean, that's, that's at least what I read in the Bible. Not somebody preaching at you, but we're in this together. Amen? We're all in this together. So, today's message, talk about the war of the world. Let's look at Mark chapter 12 there. It's out of the message paraphrase. It says, one of the religion scholars came up to Jesus, hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers. He put in his question, which is most important of all the commandments? Sounds like a really, uh, if you really love God, you really like, you want to prove, hey, I really care about God. I'm a devout religious person. I want to know what it is, like, above anything else. It's kind of like going to a, a millionaire, and you're like, okay, if, if you know, like, my age and what I'm doing, what would you do so I can be a millionaire like you, you know? So he comes and he says to Jesus, so which of these is the greatest? Because I am going to do that. I, I, I'm going to be the one who, do, who fulfills that, and I want to be, I want everyone to know that I really love God. So Jesus said, verse 29, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second. He didn't ask for the second, but Jesus told him it was important. It's, it's just as important. Here's the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. All right, say love God, love people. I know this isn't the first time you've heard that. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. We're going to take a couple minutes. By couple, I mean couple, literally two. Um, Take two minutes. I want you to go through and answer those questions. You can't cheat on this because this is personal. (laughs) All right, so don't look at your neighbors. What is your obedience ratio or percentage to the first commandment? Meaning, how much do you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy? All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What percentage do you really, truly, be honest, love the Lord your God? So, circle that. Second one, what is your love quotient? Meaning, loving other people as much as you love yourself. Because we love ourselves pretty much, a lot, right? Um, Not much, sort of average. Or I really excel, circle 1 through 10 there. Okay. I hope you guys, you don't, I hope you don't need more time than that. You guys good? Yeah? Okay, let's move to the next one. Describe what you are most passionate about in your life. What do you invest in the most? Be real. If it is ESPN, write ESPN. Okay? Um, Be real. What do you invest in the most? What is your passion? And yes, you invest a lot of time in your job, but that most likely is not your passion. Okay? So outside of that, what do you invest? What are you passionate about? What moves you? Not what should move you. What does move you? And taking it a little deeper, a little harder. Because we got to get real with ourselves. We got to get real with God. If we're really going to have change in our life, if we're really going to be like Christ. The last one is what makes you feel the most important or significant? What makes you feel the most important or significant? When other people praise you, 
when you have the shiniest new thing on the block, when you've accomplished something, you, you stand back and you're like, yeah, I did that. What, what makes you feel the most significant, the most important? Don't look at me anymore. Look at your paper. Write it down. I asked if we had extra bulletins. Pastor said, no. That's a good problem. All right? So we'll have more bulletins next week because you guys are going to invite a friend, right? Right? Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, how many of you, was that, was that kind of difficult? Did, 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 you see, did you find something as you took the time to search there and really what do you value? Uh, raise your hand if you're kind of surprised by what you ended up writing down. No one. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, is anyone disappointed in what they wrote down? Raise your hand. Okay. Cool. Well, this message is for you and for those who didn't raise their hands. Um, we're going to watch a little video clip here. It's only a minute, 24. And it's a good reflection on what our culture is like. And what, um, what is being drilled into your head, into your heart. Um, so let's go ahead and watch this. I am my car. I am my clothes. I am my bank account. I am my house. I obey my thirst. I have it my way. I just do it. I deserve a break today. I double my pleasure, double my fun. I live the high life because I'm worth it. I'm looking out for number one. I wait for nothing. I have a million choices. I get what I want. I do what's best for me. I spend my time where I want to spend it. No one wastes it but me. I have the world at my fingertips. If it doesn't work, I'll throw it out and get a new one. If I'm uncomfortable, I leave. There's another place just down the street. If I'm unhappy, I'm missing something. I find it. I buy it. If I want it, I get it. I accumulate. I collect. I acquire. I take. I use. I devour. I consume. I am not the center of the universe, but I'm the center of mine. I want to know what's in it for me. I want to know what I get out of it. I'm here to find happiness. I live for comfort. I exist to be served. The world exists to serve me. I am the customer. The customer is king. I am king. Just what you wanted. Everything. I am the customer. I am king. Let's look at Luke 12, 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It says right here on the screen. Read it with me. Well, this is Jesus talking. Okay. Jesus says, then he said, beware. Hold on, hold on. That's more like a, that's not like a beware. That's, it's actually Watch out! You know? All right? So, 
So let's, let's read this with, uh, like Jesus was saying it here, okay? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now in that video, raise your hand if you saw somebody, your friend or your family member, that's just like that. Okay, so about 10 of us. I don't believe that. Um, Life is not measured by how much we own. The Bible has more to say about money than any other topic. Isn't that crazy? Because money and material things is really the biggest, um, the biggest idol, the biggest little God that competes with our affection for our God, the God, the one and only true living God. Um, I want you guys to, let me get my, sorry, I get my paper here. There's a main point that I want to drive home about this. And that is, you see, the customer is king. We are living in a culture and a society that they are trying to absorb you. And they're saying, you know what? I'll just do everything you want. Let me just tend to you. I'll wash your feet. You are king. But the truth is you're a slave. You are a slave to your impulses. You find it, you buy it. You want it, you get it. I devour, I consume, I acquire, I take. Like we are a slave to our impulses and this feeds right into it. And the truth is the more we're served by this world, the more we buy into this world. And we are not of this world. See, those who put their faith in Christ, they become children of God. And God is the king. He is the ruler over all rulers. He is the king of the universe. You see, I am not king. I am a child of the king. You put that on there? Read that. Read that with me. I am not the king. I am a child of the king. Now, let's watch that video again. And I want you guys to look and see where you fit into that video. To see how, what you have believed, what you have said yourself. I deserve this tax return. So let's go ahead and watch this. I am my car. I am my clothes. I am my bank account. I am my house. I obey my thirst. I have it my way. I just do it. I deserve a break today. I double my pleasure, double my fun. I live the high life because I'm worth it. I'm looking out for number one. I wait for nothing. I have a million choices. I get what I want. I do what's best for me. I spend my time where I want to spend it. No one wastes it but me. I have the world at my fingertips. If it doesn't work, I'll throw it out and get a new one. If I'm uncomfortable, I leave. There's another place just down the street. If I'm unhappy, I'm missing something. I find it. I buy it. If I want it, I get it. I accumulate. I collect. I acquire. I take. I use. I devour. I consume. I am not the center of the universe, but I'm the center of mine. I want to know what's in it for me. I want to know what I get out of it. I'm here to find happiness. I live for comfort. I exist to be served. The world exists to serve me. I am the customer. 
customer is king. I am king. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians is after Luke. Goes Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Then you got the GE Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. I love it when you guys flip pages in the Bible. It's a great thing because we're getting so familiar with it on our phones and on the screens. Uh, When you see it on the page before you, it really strikes you. It's your Bible, not a Bible. It's your Bible. So Colossians 2.8, read this with me. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Don't let anyone capture you, enslave you, take you hostage with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. I deserve that vacation. I deserve this. And why do I have to wait for here? This is bad service. I'm going to go to another restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. And it all revolves around, um, around us. And the truth is, the world does not exist to serve me. Like, what do you exist for? Because you don't exist to serve the world, I guarantee that. Because the more you try to serve the world and help the world, the more you find yourself miserable, lonely, isolated, in bondage, greater bondage. So let's look at that key phrase, Katie. The world does not exist to serve me. I exist for God's good pleasure. You see, God created all of the world for our enjoyment. It's a playground for us. Read it, Genesis chapter 1. It's a playground for us, and it's, it's for our delight. But he created man for his delight. I mean, think about that, how awesome it is, all the different colors and variety of, of the flowers and the butterflies and just how majestic mountains and waterfalls and everything. Is. It's just like, and God, he puts that in us, and he knows that this is what, what drives us. We have this curiosity that takes us, you know, looking in the depths of this ocean and looking into the depths of the universe. And we're just, he sees that's in it and he puts that in us and he gives us a playground. He loves us so much. He gives every good and perfect gift comes from him. And what's even greater than that is when we turned our back on him and we said, I want to do what I want to do. This this fruit looks good, and it'll make me wise, and I could become like God. We turn our back on him. He still loves us. That when we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And he did that because his great love for us. He wants to be with us. So we exist for God's good pleasure. And when we understand that, we don't get so confused with this empty philosophy and things that come from human thinking. Was Jesus a man? 
Yes, absolutely. If he was not a man, our, our faith is worthless. Okay? Jesus was a man, but he was not just a man like Plato and Socrates and, and any other philosopher and wonderful high big thinker that you're, you're, you're aware of or familiar with. No, his wasn't just human thinking. He was God, completely God in the flesh. So it wasn't just limited to what he understood or experienced. Or He was before Abraham, he was. That's what God said, Jesus said. He is eternal. He was there in the beginning. And from the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. He, it was already planned out. And so we exist for God's good pleasure. Let's look at, you're on Colossians 2, 8. I want to look at 6 through 10. All right. So, so read this with me. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Hold on right there. You'll overflow with thankfulness. What that, what that speaks against is contentment. Something that I, I tell my wife sometimes when she complains about something with the house being wrong or, or the dog doing something, um, it, it's, I, I say, so, so let's find what is something that we could be thankful for in this? Because when you start being thankful for things, all of a sudden this bitterness, this discontent starts to melt away. It's crazy how it works. Um, and that's where if you'll let your roots grow down deep into him, you are planted in him. And when you search him out, instead of searching the world for some pleasure, acceptance, fulfillment, you search for him, you find nourishment, and you will grow strong in the truth, not the lies that we swallow. You will find nourishment and strength in the truth, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Because the more you acquire in this world, the more discontent or malcontent we become. Can I get an amen? I mean, because it's never good enough. You got to have the next one. You get a computer and three weeks later, it's outdated. You know, and you just got to, you got to keep, keep it up. Keep going, keep going. My car is not shiny anymore. That's just what we continue. That's what feeds, we, we feed on. And we need to be feeding on the word of God. So let's go from uh, overflow with thankfulness to verse eight again, where it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. That scripture there says God, Jesus was man, Jesus is God. Okay? Verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Say complete. You also are complete with your, through your union with Christ. He is the head over every ruler and authority. You are not king, and this world is not king. That every authority is established by God. Amen? That's Romans 13. So, I want you to say that first part. You are complete through your union with Christ. In fact, change that to, I am complete in Christ. You see, this started off 
the, the video started off with, I am my car. I am my house. I am my bank account. That's, a, that's an identity crisis. This is what defines us. And there's a, a really cool song, uh, Bear With Me. Uh, this is a Christian rap, but the content speaks exactly to what we're talking about, the lies we believe, and how we base our value and our identity, who I am and what I'm worth. Um, so I love it. It's by Lecrae. So let's give this a listen. Secure dude, check. But she won't feel me and they won't like me. If I ain't in them J's or them brand new Nikes, let's stick deep from inside my psyche. When it's all said and done, even I don't like me. He live in the gym and his hair stay faded. Late model cars, so they think he made it. He's Christian, he gave his life, but he still ain't satisfied in the Savior Christ. Still finds his identity in looks and cars. If he only knew that he ain't have to look so hard. If he looked in God, it may seem odd, but he be so satisfied he can leave it all. Yeah. I'm not the shoes I wear, I'm not the clothes I buy, I'm not the house I live in, I'm not the car I drive, no, I'm not the job I work, you, you can't define my word, by nothing on God's green earth, my identity is found Christ, it's found Christ, hey, how do I gauge success, what do I say I'm blessed, huh, is it the car that I drive, or the place that I rest, or the way that I dress now, now, it's the Cause of my pride, the stage and the set on my face and the press now, now. It's the applause that dies when the praise is less. If my face is depressed, then, then. It's cause my value of works and the volume of the work I produce and the proof and the proof. It's the prize and the curse of defined by the perks when the truth is through, it's through. Man, I won't feel like I don't wanna live no more, no more, no more. Cause they don't like me like they did in 04, 04, 04. So I swallow my pride and power by God, I'm complete in him. He's got peace, God's peace I'm in. In his presence, we can strength, meet his kin, we his brethren, read this list. Me forgiven, he's dismissed, guilt in my sin and I find my worth cause I'm Jesus' friend. I'm not the shoes I wear, I'm not the clothes I buy, I'm not the house I live in. I'm not the car I drive, I'm not the job I work, you, you can't define my word, but nothing on God's green earth, my identity is found in Christ, it's found in Christ. Got hair done, toes, nails, is that her? Well, it's hard to tell, cause she's so kicked up in all that makeup, it's like she's trying to make up for what she ain't, but she's a saint, but so confused, cause she's been rejected by all these dudes, and tell her on a skeleton she's a two, but that ain't true, if she only knew, in Christ she is loved, she's secure and accepted, never be rejected by God who's elected her, her beauty is a godliness, and she ain't got a problem cause it's obvious, identity is found in the God we trust, any other identity will self-destruct, yeah, our identity is found in the God we trust any other identity was self destruct. I'm not the shoes I wear, I'm not the clothes I buy, I'm 
not the house I live in. I'm not the car I drive. I'm not the job I work. You, you can't define my word. But nothing on God's green earth. My identity is found in Christ. It's found in Christ. I'm Pastor Joel, and I approve of this message. You, uh, now, you might think, um, I just want you to know that I'm the one who picked that video. So you can say you're cool. By the way, it's kind of like um, when we were singing Hosanna earlier, I was thinking about it, I didn't get to a, get a share that, but it's kind of like saying you demand. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hosanna it was, a, was a way of saying, yeah, you're, you're all that, and, and then some, see? I want you to go ahead and, uh, uh, well, we're going to put it on the wall, so don't turn there. Let's go to, I want you to turn to Galatians. We were close to it if you were in Colossians. I want you to go to Galatians. And then, meanwhile, I'm going to be going in uh, to the passage. If you notice on that bulletin, the, the title is The War of the World. That's because of the, that we're in the world, not of the world. You heard that. You've heard it how many times. And yet, we continue to look a lot like the world. Yeah, that's one of the problems with Christianity is that we look so much like the world that it's hard to distinguish. How do you know anymore? How many people, uh, how many, let me think this way. How many of you know somebody who wears a cross, wooden or metal, that wears a cross that absolutely is not a Christian? How many of you know somebody who's wearing a cross because it's a decoration. It's jewelry, right? So in other words, you can't even trust looking at somebody and saying, there you go. I've thought about sometimes wearing the little priest thing so that, you know, you have the white collar and the black shirt, just so people would say, ah, a pastor, if they needed help or if they needed something. Nowadays, wearing stuff like that isn't so good either. Guess why? Because we're not holding to that level of integrity that God wants us to, meaning priests and pastors and reverends. And it's not a matter of one church or another. And folks, whenever somebody takes a hit, we all take a hit. Why? Because it's just another reason for unchurched people or people who have said, it doesn't matter, I don't know, I don't need this. It's another reason for them to say, see, see, they're no better than me. And of course, the idea is, is that we should be leading you not to my standard. We should be leading you to the standard who is Jesus Christ. That will separate us from everything else. If we'll hold to the standard which God himself has established, you're no longer trying to be as good as that person who you see is a little bit better than you. Stop it. Or thinking that you're all that either. So here's what it says in Galatians. This it talks about is kind of the life that we get we get all messed up in. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to go Isaiah, Isaiah first. I want to get there. What, what we're trying to say, folks, the, the war of the world is this. In Isaiah uh, chapter 43, it starts with verse 1. It goes 1 through 4 is what I'm looking at. But now God's message. The God who made you in the first place, insert your own name there, the one who got you started, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you. I've called your name your mine. Your mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, 
it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you, all of Egypt, with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Folks, Joel alluded to Galatia, or I'm sorry, to Genesis 1, where it talks about how God created this, this, this epic playground for us, to this paradise where he wanted us to play, and he would come down and just delight in watching us enjoy everything that he created. He says he'd trade all that for you. Creation wasn't about creation. It, it wasn't in all that, even though it says that he saw all that he'd created and it was good. But you know, one of my favorite ones is when it says that he created man and, and then he looks at everything and then it's very good. So you're the very. You're the very. You're the part that God is after. You're here in this world for a reason. You're supposed to be an influence. You're supposed to be a transmitter of light. The light that is in you now that you're supposed to shed abroad. You're supposed to let that light so shine before people that it will glorify your Father in heaven. That's what the Bible says. So what are you here for? You're here to be a transmitter of light, to let the light of God shine through your life. And so guess what we do? When we're not living for God, we're trying to shine our own light. See, We might even take up somebody else's cause and start trying to shine their light. See what I mean? Because if I can't get there, I might tag along and get a hold of somebody that I can. I would go into maybe into be part of the entourage for somebody who has made it big. It's kind of, uh, how many of you are ever groupies? Anybody, you were ever groupies? How many of you are groupies now? Anybody? You know what a groupie is? Or a groupie was? Some of you know. A groupie was just one of those people that would hang out. You just wanted to be part of the throng, part of the crowd. Do you know that's what Jesus was attracting in his day? There were some who just wanted to be part of the crowd, see? And then there comes a time where he says, not everybody who's hanging out part of the crowd, not all of you groupies are really in, see? Because he knew what was in them. He knew how quick they were to, to, to go to the right or to the left, to, to not want to follow. So in Isaiah, he says once again how personal we are to him, what he'd be willing to trade for us. I want to tell you that God desires you. He wants you. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want anything else. He doesn't want you to... It's all for His glory. When you do something well for Him, He wants to promote you. He wants to elevate you. He says if you'll humble yourself, He's the one who elevates you. He's going to help make your light shine ever brighter. That's what happens when you tag on to Him and say, yeah, whatever your plan is, I'm in. All in, God. Then what will happen is he's going to promote you and he's going to prosper you and he's going to give you favor and he's going to give you influence. And let me tell you, that's part of the struggle of our lives. That's part of, part of the sorrow of the flesh and sorrow of the world is when we're trying to do it in our own strength and we're trying to live according to a map that we've laid out to the best of our ability. Some of you, have, you, you went to school and you went to these things and you got into a degree program. The most grievous for me is when when I know I was an assistant manager trainee with a high school diploma. And I'm, I'm in Sambo's restaurant, and, and the cook, we're talking one night, because, you know, you get the shift, and, and there I am. 
And he had a master's degree. And I'm like, are you serious? I made more money than he did as an assistant manager trainee. And he's a cook. Do you know why? Because he, he, he just wanted to have no, no responsibility. I come in here, I cook, I do my job, I leave. He didn't want the responsibility that his degree brought with it. But he spent all those years in a degree. And one of the questions, because I was kind of deciding, I was only 19 years old. I'm trying to decide, do I want to go to college? What do I want to be when I grow up? And so there I am, and here I got this guy telling me that college was a waste of time for him. And that was making it, I was really having to say, okay, what am I supposed to be? What is it that I want to, do I want to be an assistant manager or a manager in a restaurant and work all the, the, the crazy shifts? And the answer was no, I didn't. I had some sort of like, there's something greater than this. I, I've got something that I'm meant for. No, I wasn't overly impressed with myself. I didn't think I was the most handsome or any other talented. I just had something in me that compelled me forward that made me believe that there was something that I was supposed to do. Man, I wish I would have found that early. I wish somebody would have talked to me about God, about His plan, the fact that I'm not here by chance happening. See? And then what, what it ha- would have done is they would have rescued me from pursuing the world for about 15 years and I sometimes called it waste. God informed me, by the way, that he doesn't waste anything. See? So you can find yourself wherever you're at, young or old, and know this. If you'll just latch on to what God has for you, you begin to pursue that with, it says everything you got. The problem with the world is that all the possessions and all the stuff, it it weighs you down. It's kind of like trying to take a little four-cylinder car uphill, pulling a big old 32-foot-long trailer loaded down with your stuff. You just pull off to the side of the road, overheating, the transmission slipping. Why? And you're all frustrated because you had places to be and you had time limits. And there you are, broke down alongside the road. How many times do we have to be broke down before we finally decide that maybe we're carrying the wrong kind of load? Maybe it's not the way God would have it to be. I don't know what the the future holds. I just know him who's appointed that. One of the things for me is, is kind of a sense of jettison the cargo. I really feel that in my own personal life, jettison the cargo. I could see becoming free of everything else. I wouldn't mind renting. You know why? Because it means I'm, 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 I'm mobile. I'm ready to go wherever you want me to go, God. I'm ready to do whichever, whatever you want me to do. I've got responsibilities and obligations, and I want to be faithful to those. But if I don't have responsibilities and obligations, guess what? I don't have to worry about money and income or anything else, do I? (sighs) Live off the land. That's a wild side of me. I'd kind of like that, you know. Let's go and jump into uh, Galatians then. Starts in verse 19. It talks about, um, in verse 16 it really starts, but it says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Many of you, this is familiar stuff. I want to call your attention and wrap up with something a little different. I'm sorry, chapter 5 of Galatians. If you were looking for chapter 19, you were really hurt. I say, walk by the Spirit, verse 16 of chapter 5, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. See, one is a walk. That means something that is more permanent. It's something that I strap on, let's say, every morning that I am going to walk by the Spirit. See, the desires are stuff that constantly comes. You could almost say temptation, 
Joel used the word earlier, impulses. There are things that kind of, all day long I've got this thing that I'm doing this little shuck and jive thing because that's the way life is. You see what I mean? And it's always something coming at me, a pretty girl. There's something that is grabbing my attention, that I want that shiny car. All the things of that consumerism, by the way. You know? And so what happens is, it, when all that's coming at you, you need to have a, a prayer. You've got to have a walk. You've got to have something that sets, you set your, your gate and you begin to walk and you're not distracted, brought off by all those other things that are the desires, the impulses. They're the things that are flashing before your eyes. I can tell you, you probably could Google it. If you were a student, or some of you are students, if you're a student of economics or of marketing, one of the things they'll tell you today when you're, on, you're watching TV, you are being, what do I want to say, cultivated. You are being cultivated because they are putting messages before you to get you to do what they want you to do, to buy what they want you to buy, to live like they want you to live. Who is they? They is whoever the, the, the people are making the products and selling the, the, the plan of life, the American dream. That's the reason that you've got to have the vision from God so that you can live out and, and continue with what he's called you to. So here's the issue. That's all true. The marketing and the ploy and the scheme and the plan. Matter of fact, I think Dave Ramsey talked about that in one of these recent ones, didn't he? Talk about consumerism and talked about the marketing and, and all the things that are designed to get you to want the latest greatest, to get you to be unsatisfied and, and, and wanting something different. So what do we do with all that? We've got to walk by the Spirit. We won't carry out the desire which are coming to us. Those are all the impulses. So I keep walking. Nope, nope, nope. I tell people like a stairway. If you imagine the stairway, what happens is you start here, and this is your goal, on the stairs. At any given point as you ascend the stairs, and, and, and you have a decision to make, a desire and an impulse comes to you, you say, which direction does it lead? Does it take me up? Does it take me down? If it doesn't take me up, I don't consider it. I'm not going there. I have no desire to fall or plunge down the stairs. See? And so if, you would be, if we would be that clear with our decision making. For in verse 17, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. It very clearly makes a distinction between the divine, which is spirit, and that which is of the world, which is flesh. The things that are pleasing to my flesh. It doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have any fun or have pleasure. Instead, it says, let it be that you're found in pleasure in the things that he wants you to be pleased with. See, because even from the garden, he put things in there, everything for the pleasure, but one thing. See? So here it goes, verse 19, it comes in, verse 18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. I'm going to have that up on the wall, because this is called the message version, which kind of hits you between the eyes better. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded 
and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Wow. Does that sound familiar to anybody in the room, those things that I just read out there? Yeah, man, loveless, cheap sex, all that stuff. Let's go on from there. But what happens when we live God's way? So that's one world I just presented to you. Here's the other one. He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Key word right there, what everyone else calls necessities. You guys think that you got to do certain things, and and the question might be, why? And why am I doing what I'm doing? It's a reasonable question that you can ask that will begin to actually set you free because you might find that you're living according to somebody else's pattern, somebody else's rule, somebody else's law, and that's not where you ought to be. See, that stuff will never give you the delight and give you pleasure because God won't allow it to. He'll keep you miserable so you can only be delighted when you're following Him. It's just the way it is. Amen? Worship team, come on up. I want to end with uh, 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. You know, the reason that we would throw so many passages or verses at you is this. We want you to see that overwhelmingly, can you say overwhelmingly? Overwhelmingly, the counsel of Scripture is exactly what the preacher's preaching. Overwhelmingly, that God says there's two plans here. There's two ways where you can go. In Deuteronomy, he says this. He says, I've set before you life and death. And he says, choose life. Folks, sometimes the choices that we've been making have been leading to death. And I don't know how dead you want to be, but at some point you're going to come to the end of that dead that you really want to be alive. See? Because sometimes you think that you're alive and you're really not alive at all. You're really dead. Some of us are doubly dead. See? It means as a Christian you can be a dead You can be alive in Christ one way, but you can be dead in how you live. And why? Because you're not making the right choices, decisions. So you're just dead in the midst of being alive. Sure, you've got eternity. And some are doubly dead because they're making decisions that are leading to death. And they're already dying. They've rejected God. They've rejected His plan for eternity. And they're trying to do it their own way. And God just keeps saying, I'm I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Here's what it says. 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world, this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. 
and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. I don't know how to end it any better than that. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, there's this uh, things that are diametrically opposed. There's that which is, which is a, a, a hunkering kind of in my, my soul. There's something deep. There's something big. There's something grand. And then there's that which is the ho-hum. That it's like I'm looking for ways to find delight. I'm looking for ways to fill this stinking place inside of me that I want happiness. Give me another beer. Give me a cigarette. Give me a drug. Give me another, another guy. Give me another gal. And meanwhile, I end up miserable. Only miserable. God, thank you for, for allowing me to be miserable with the ways of this world. And God, I thank you that your grace is so sufficient that even in the midst of allowing us to go off and get stupid... That you're always there saying, here I am. I got the bandages. Got the peroxide. I'm going to heal you up, mend you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to love on you. God, you're amazing. I pray, Father, that you'll draw us to yourself. I thank you, God, that you're the all-powerful one. That when we present the the desire of the flesh, that it, it, it doesn't hold a candle to you. The evil one, the devil, Satan himself, he's not the the holy one. He's not the mighty one. He's not the ruler. And Lord, your word says is that you're the one who appoints that rule and authority, and you are the one who is the rule and authority. And because we're the child of the king, we share in your rule and authority. Father, we thank you that you're the one who reigns, and we want to reign with you. So God, continue to deliver us from the desires of the flesh and to walk in according to the Spirit. And everybody who wants that said, Amen. Let's stand up. The song is, The Lord Almighty Reigns. Amen.